You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M, and we finally know where the future Aggies will be headed for the 2021 season as the 2021 NFL Draft has officially been complete. Now let's go ahead and discuss what I think of the moves, where they landed, and of course, how much I think that this is going to play a factor into the future of Texas A&M football. This episode of Lockdown Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar, where a candy bar meets a protein bar. Go visit BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your very next purchase. That's LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. As always, make sure you're listening to us every single day here at LockedOnPodcast.com and follow us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to make this a more quality sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow, give me a shout out, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th May related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So, 2021 NFL Draft. For anyone out there who's sitting and going, well, why was these players not taken sooner? This was not the draft to do that. Next draft is the draft where I can actually sit here and go, why did this player not go in top 15? Why did this player go in the second round? Why did this player, why did that, like, like that's the year I'll do that. Because this season, A&M's talent that came out was essential. Let's not get that out of the way. They had four starters on the offensive line try to find their home in the NFL. Good news is that they all did. Uh, one was drafted, three were unsigned free agents, but I do think that there's at least two who have the opportunity to make the, I'd say, final 53-man roster. Maybe not the entire you know, starting roster, but they'll have a shot to, I think, make a team. But again, you look at the upside with some of these players. A guy like Isaiah Spiller. A guy like Anaya Smith. A guy like DeMarvin Leal. Yeah, those are guys I'm going to consider going into next season as top 15, top 25 players. This year, yeah, the players were good, but they also were rounds three, rounds four, rounds five kind of guys. And that's exactly where everyone landed. Now, the night started off, of course, with Kellen Mond, the former A&M starting quarterback, finding his next home in the land of 10,000 lakes, one pick before the Houston Texans with the Minnesota Vikings. Now, here's the good news. I called a while ago, actually a very long time ago, that there was three teams I really want to see Kellen Mond go to. The first, to me, was going to be the Los Angeles Rams because of, I think Sean McVay would have a field day learning with a guy like Mond. High upside, high IQ, somebody who loves the game of football, understands the entire processing. That was exactly where I thought they were going to go. But that didn't happen. The second team I said was Washington. I thought Washington with the RPO system where they have receivers who are going to do more after the catch than anything that you would do with the catch was the best next landing spot. Well, that didn't happen. The third team I said was the Minnesota Vikings because I believe that they were going to focus a lot on building their offensive line and they already had the weapons in place to be pretty dang good. What did they do? They built their offensive lineup with the additions of, of course, Christian Derrissaw and Wyatt Davis, and they have the weapons that are already in place with guys such as Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and Irv Smith Jr. 
plus a good one-two running back combination, I would personally say, with Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. You're going to a situation where I do think this is a good thing. Kellen Mond's floor is out of the NFL next year. That's the reality of it. Think about this for a second. Josh Rosen was a top 10 pick. Like, top 10 guy. And he's no longer on an active roster. He's on a practice future reserve, and he's going into his fourth year. Top 10 pick. So his floor is, yeah, I I struggle immensely in training camp. I have a bad attitude. I don't want to be here. I'm out in 2022. His ceiling is Pro Bowl. And he's going to a team where I think going to the Pro Bowl is not out of the realm. Is it in the realm in 2021? No, absolutely not. Is it in the realm of the future? Yes, immensely so. You have Justin Jefferson for four more years. You've Adam Thielen for three more years. You have Irv Smith for two more years. You have Dalvin Cook for four more years. I mean, you have the players there. You also have an offensive lineman with guys like Brian O'Neill, who I do think is going to get an extension by the time, I'd say in two years from now, he'll get an extension. So you have him. You have Ezra Cleveland, who you got three more years with. You got Darisaw, who you have five years with to go along with his four. You have White Davis for four years. Say all those guys hit. Say every single one of them hits. Okay. That offensive line is really good now. It's really young now. And say Kirk Cousins is the problem. Well, they're going to give at least a shot to Callum Mond to be the guy. They have to. Like, at some point, you just pull the ripcord and understand, okay, we're done. Kirk Cousins is a player who actually is not a bad quarterback. The problem is that he's getting paid like a top five quarterback. He's playing like a top 12, a top 14, a top 16. Therein lies the problem. If I'm going to get a top 16 quarterback, I'm going to pay for a top 16 quarterback. Kellen Mond can be a top 20 quarterback, and they're paying him mincemeat. That's the difference. But if Mond works, it's all about the system. People don't understand when I talk about that so much how important it is for a system to work with a quarterback. Sure. Yeah, it, it works when you have a good player. Sure, it works when your team is overall playing decent football. Yeah, it works when your quarterback is maybe like the second or third problem. You know what really works? When you have the right quarterback. And the only way you have the right quarterback is with right coaching. So Mike Zimmer, of course, is known for being a defensive guy. But he has, uh, I always forget his name. I know it's Gary Kubiak's son, but I always forget his name. He's now the OC. And again, I know, I probably should know that because, again, Gary Kubiak, Texas A&M legend. But anyways, not the point of the story. The point of the story is, if he builds properly around Kellen Mond, Kellen Mond's going to be successful. If he's not, and Kellen Mond shows any type of progress, they're going to bring a quarterback coach, an OC, or somebody in the building who understands how to make this system work. Minnesota's done a good job drafting the past few years. I very much have have been praising the way Minnesota drafts, and they've done it again. They were a top five class for me. Oh, they did a fabulous job. The problem is, is that when you look at them on paper, on the record, on everything, they're a team that may be now a quarterback away. I don't think so. I think that Kirk Cousins is good, but I think the best part of all is that Kirk is going to teach Kellen how to play with that demeanor. 
But again, if they're a quarterback away and Kellen Mond's that guy, you got him at a third round steal. How often does that happen in the NFL? I can tell you this right now. Not much. Fourth rounders have better success. Sixth rounders have better success. First rounders have immense success. Third round quarterbacks in the NFL, there's not that many to go off of. They're either day three steals or they're top 10 picks. So Kellen Mond, once again, can be an anomaly, but he's going to the right system that I think is going to work best in his favor. The NFL draft is over, so is college football, but you know what isn't over? The Bachelorette is coming back, and also so are the NBA playoffs. So whoever you want to bet on during KD season, or of course, whoever you think is going to win the actual NBA title, go ahead and place your bets at the one place we love and the one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag gives you the best buyouts, the best lines, and the best bets every single day when you follow them on social media at BetOnline underscore AG. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get into the action right away. When you use the promo code Locked On, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbooks experts. Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, Cole Thompson, back in action, talking all things Texas A&M. Right now, we are talking all about the 2021 NFL draft class and where Texas A&M players landed. The next up on the list would be Bobby Brown. He went to the Los Angeles Rams. This is one of those times that I look at a roster and go, you know what? This is a fit. This is a fit that I love, and I love it for a multitude of reasons. One... Bobby Brown is a nose tackle. Like, like everyone can say, oh, we can play him as a three-tech. Oh, we can play him as, you know, we can play him in a one-gap system. You're better off playing him as that one-tech or a zero. Like, that's where he needs to work. In a 3-4 defense that allows him to be a two-gap player. That's where he is going to find the most success. The reason I think he was not higher on people's boards was because he played in a 4-2-5 system as a nose tackle. So again, on pass rushing sets, Mike Elko would send out Bobby Brown and then they would also keep Bobby Brown when they would go to a 3-2-6 uh, approach where they would run a lot of dime packages or when they wanted an extra linebacker because they did do this a few times where Andre White, Aaron Hansford, and um, Buddy Johnson were all in the field together. They did have them play a 3-3-5 under Mike Elko. PB came out. Bobby Brown did not. Bobby Brown was used then to line up over the center and bulldoze his way to one of the two A-gaps. That's where he works best. And that's a hole that I think, when you look at what is going to be run for um, Los Angeles, that's somewhere where you need to address that need. To me, Los Angeles had a crap draft. Like, Los Angeles had a terrible draft. There was not a damn thing I liked about it. You know what I did like about it, though? The one pick that I thought was actually okay? It was Bobby Brown. Because not only are you addressing a need, you're also adding a player of value to a scheme of value to a defense that works in your favor. Scheme fit matters, people. If you ask Bobby Brown to play a 5-tech, he's not going to be good. If you ask Bobby Brown to play in one-gap system, he'll work, but he'll only work on certain plays. You know what he will work at? A two-gap player because of his massive frame. It allows him to cut both gaps. It allows him to be successful in the trenches. It allows him to work well upfield as a bull-rushing technique-style player. 
That's what you want. So you got to send him to a defense that's going to allow him to do that. You know what defense isn't going to allow him to do that? Minnesota's is not. I would say Houston's is not. People said Dallas likes him. Well, you know what? Dallas's defense wouldn't work for him. You know whose word work for him? Los Angeles. They would 100% work for him. You know who else I think would probably work for him? If they're switching to this style, I would go Atlanta. I'd say Tennessee's defense works for him. Where he is your main guy up the middle. That's where he is going to find the most success. So scheme fit wise, it's a great location. It's an absolutely perfect location for him. And that honestly, of the A&M players, that would probably be my second favorite fit. Overall, I very much like that fit. And I think that by the end of this year, we're seeing him run a lot more with the run ones than most of these players. Next up was Dan Moore. Dan Moore was selected in the fifth round, I think it was, or late fourth. I don't remember exactly which off the top of my head, but by the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a move that I like, but I also don't like for a minute. Because here's why. I like it because if I do think he has an opportunity to learn from a team that has done a great job building offensive lines over the past decade. Look at the protection that Ben Roethlisberger has had for a decade. It's good. I mean, it's great. They've done a fantastic job making sure that that offensive line stands pat and develops into one of, if not the most successful groups consistently in the division. Every season, I look at Ben Roethlisberger. He's never down. He's always up. And he's not a mobile guy, so that's protection at its finest. Moore's going to that. Here's the problem. They lost four offensive linemen. Matt Filer signed with the Los Angeles Chargers. Marcus Gilbert retired. Alejandro Villanueva is expected to sign with the uh, Baltimore Ravens to be the right tackle, because Ronnie Stanley is now the left tackle. And Marquise Pouncey retired. This is not the same offensive line. And the problem is, is that when a player starts, say, week one or two, as a fourth rounder, and they're not ready to start, that eats at a player's confidence. That puts a player down. And every single week, they're lining up and going, ah, oh, crap, I gotta do this again? Crap, I gotta go up against Miles Garrett? He's gonna kick my ass. He's literally gonna beat me rep after rep. That's gonna happen. And I sit there and go, yeah, what do you expect? You're a fourth-round talent. You should be developing into a starter. Now, Chuma Okafor is supposed to be the starting right ta- uh, left tackle for the st- uh, at least the beginning of next season. But if he's hurt, Dan Moore's up. That's not a good look. That's absolutely not a good look. So it's a mixed feeling because of if you develop him for a year or two, yeah, I think Dan Moore's going to actually turn out to be a very solid offensive lineman. Probably at worst, a right tackle, a low-end right tackle that finds success as a starter like a Mike Remmers for the Kansas City Chiefs. Something like that. Yeah, I think that's great value. At worst, he's out of the NFL by the end of the season. Because of, again, offensive linemen are the most replaceable, but they're also the hardest to find besides a franchise quarterback. So I don't know how I feel about that one. You know what I do like, though? Pittsburgh's next pick, which was also a Texas A&M former player, and that was Buddy Johnson. Buddy Johnson went in the fifth round by Pittsburgh, and he's not going to start right away. 
He's not. Vince Williams is there. Vince Williams is a player who I think is going to be there for one more season because they kind of because they, they you know they released him, but they re-signed him to a new deal because they want to bring him back on a more team-friendly contract. So I think he's there to be the veteran of the locker room because you already opted in on Minka Fitzpatrick's fifth-year option. You're definitely going to opt in on Devin Bush's fifth-year option should he not tear his ACL or have a season-ending injury early. So you have a core. You know you're going to pay TJ Watt. He's not leaving Pittsburgh. Like, there's no way he's leaving Pittsburgh. But you look at this roster, and they're missing that three-down thumper. Well, Buddy Johnson doesn't have to be that three-down thumper right away. What he has to do is he has to be successful as a special teamer to make sure he earns a roster spot moving forward. This is a really good fit. The one thing that I was told by most scouts is they were afraid that Buddy Johnson was going to be a middle linebacker in a 4-3 system where he had to play sideline to sideline. He's not. He's going to be a one-sideline linebacker, and he's going to be your run stopper. That's why you got Devin Bush. You have counter opposites that work with each other. So I like the fit. I think it's a very good situation for Buddy because, again, he does not have to start right away. He can actually sit and learn and think and you know kind of figure out where he belongs, and that's a good fit. What isn't a good fit is if you had to start right away. Or if they were in a 4-3 system. Because then you're asking to play sideline to sideline, which he does not do well. And now instead you're having him play the line of scrimmage. Watch his tape against the run. This is is at least a player who when you look as a run stopper first, can be very effective. You know what Devin Bush did during his rookie season? He had two interceptions. He can play in space. Now you have your downhill thumper. That is what you want when you're a team like Pittsburgh. The Steel City defense has been one of the biggest things that has made the Steelers successful since their, I'd say, the 70s. Like, yeah, everyone talks about Franco Harris and everyone talks about Terry Bradshaw, but you think about it, the defense is the reason they've been good and they've been consistently in the playoffs. And that's the thing that Mike, you know, Mike Tomlin Former DC is going to pride himself on. So yeah, you go out and you get Najee Harris in the first round, but then you go ahead and address the defensive woes in round four. If Buddy hits, you have a perfect pairing and somebody who's probably going to get 100 tackles every single season behind that defensive line. So I like the fit a lot. I love the fit for Buddy Johnson. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Bill Bart. Now, you know the Bill Bart code of the past. 18 flavors total, but again... There's new flavors. There's new varieties. And guess what? Every bar is covered in 100% real chocolate, so they're more like candy bars than they are protein bars. The best thing of all is that they're great for someone on the keto diet because they're low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, and low in calories. Every single morning, I go work out. I go take my dog for a run, but I start my day off with the peanut butter protein bar because it's got 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of net carbs, 5 grams of sugar. There's not a product like this out on the shelves. So when you go visit BillBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your very next purchase. That's LOCKED15 at BillBar.com. Stop being the salty sweets and enjoy a treat that will meet your needs. Built Bar from BillBar.com. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, Cole Thompson, back in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. If you give me 25 minutes of your day, just 25 total minutes, I can get you caught up on all the major breaking news in the sporting world. Okay, so I won't be the guy doing that, but there will be somebody, Peter Bukowski, and our brand new show, Locked On Today. 
Lockdown Today gives you all the best bets, all the best action, and all the breaking news surrounding every major American sport, including, of course, breakdowns of the NFL draft. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast listening systems or on the Odyssey app. So, again, those were the four players that were selected in the NFL draft, but there were four other names who found homes, at least for, I would say, the spring and the summer. More than likely, I would say one or two of these guys also makes the final roster. Ryan McCollum signed a one-year deal with his hometown team of the Houston Texans. This is actually a really good fit because Ryan is a guy who I think is going to be effective as both an offensive center and a guard, so... Texans need help at both positions. The biggest thing of all is that there's only really one full-time center on staff. They got Justin Britt, who signed a one-year deal, so he actually has a really solid opportunity to compete with Cole Cabral and earn actually probably, I would say, the number two spot on the team. And the biggest thing of all is that he's played both guard and center, so he's versatile. So I look at this, and if David Culley and Nick Casario really like versatility, that's a good spot for him to land. Next up was Carson Green, who also landed with the Texans. I view Green as the weakest of the offensive line, but that doesn't mean I think that he's a bad player. I just think that that means that when you look at what the offensive line is for him, he is going to have the most chance to probably not start, but earn a lot of reps as a swing tackle. I think he's got to learn to get better with his footwork. I think he needs to get better at not overextending his plays. I think that the best thing of all for him would be to get on the practice squad and have the opportunity to learn while eventually getting raised as the potential swing tackle. There's going to be a lot of teams out there that I think view a guy such as Green as someone who is a practice squad first, allow him to develop, and then once he's on the staff, Go ahead and enjoy what you're going to get because I do think that there's a lot to like about him. You just can't play him right away and you can't expect him to be a starter right out the gate. Jamon Osmond was next. He signed a one-year deal with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Eagles picked up a lot of different talent. They got uh, Devonta Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, with their first overall pick. They also added in another wide receiver. I'm trying to blank on his name. But I do think that when you look at the wide receiver group in Pittsburgh, not that, but in Philadelphia, it's the weakest part. Like, is Jalen Rager going to work? Is Devonta Smith at 166 going to work? Is there a lot of different things that can go into this decision-making that's going to really either decide whether he has to, you know, have an opportunity to play or not? But the good news is, is that Nick Sirianni has found success with wide receivers that were undrafted free agents. Probably the best one that everyone remembers is Zach Paschal in Indianapolis. Good slot receiver, does a lot of work after the catch. The team put a second-round tender on him because they're like, we're not losing you to anybody. So I do think that if you are to get a good player with a lot of upside, like the Greg Wards, like the Travis Fulgums, like the Zach Pascals, this is the guy to go with. And I think that's a very good spot. Anthony Hines going to the Dallas Cowboys. This is one I don't like. Uh, I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I don't like it because of there's so many linebackers on the staff already. Yeah, you lose... A guy like Sean Lee to retirement. You still got Jalen Smith. You still have Leighton Vander Esch. They're talking about extending him even though they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. But they also got Jabril Cox, and they also got Micah Parsons. You still have Luke Gifford on the staff and Francis Bernard. I think at best, Hines is a, you know, a, a, a camp body. I think, I, no, my bad. At best, he's a practice squad member. At worst, he's a camp body that gets cut really soon into the process. Because if he's going to a team that the one position you don't need to fix is linebacker. You can fix a lot of other needs. Linebacker is not one of them, in my opinion. 
And finally, the last one, Jared Hawker. He is going to the Emerald City, signing a one-year deal with the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle needs help on the offensive line. I mean, I'm just going to leave it at that. If Hawker plays well, he's going to earn a roster spot because the offensive line is still in a big, big hole. I mean, Damian Lewis is really good. Dwayne Brown is good, but he's getting up there in age. There's not a lot to like about the offensive line. There's also still some holes that you really could fix, and they didn't. Yeah, I like the addition of Stone Foresight in the seventh, in the seventh round. I mean, at that point, any player that falls with a third-round grade to the seventh round, you just have to take. But Hawker, again, there's a lot to like about him. Uh, he's a three-year starter. He knows you know exactly what it means to work with a run game. That's been a and success. You have Chris Carson. Uh, you have still Rashad Penny. I know they have DJ Dallas. They have a lot of players that they're going to bet on hopefully having better you know better careers moving forward so yeah uh, I mean if it works out great if it doesn't I still see him as a practice squad member I definitely think that with offensive linemen you'll get multiple chances to be on a practice squad than any other position because of if you cannot block or a team does not have a blocker on staff they're always going to try to find somebody who can come in and compete right away at least for competition at the starting role that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson at Locked on Aggies. On tomorrow's show, let's give out some superlatives. My favorite fit, my high, my lows. Do I like the fit? Where does each player land on my board of what I think? And looking ahead towards the 2022 NFL draft. There's some players that people are already very high on from Texas A&M, and we can see them flourish starting next season. We will see you tomorrow, and remember, you can y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.